We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Another week, another episode of the Corner Podcast. It's great to be here with you guys on this Monday. A lot of boxing to talk about. We had a good weekend of fights, and it seemed as though, you know, even though Conor McGregor and everyone got the hype this weekend and the UFC kind of carried the narrative, which we'll talk about on Wednesday, boxing delivered some power of their own. Before we talk about that, though, as you guys know, Kel Dansby here with Andreas Hale. Dre, we got to get back to our roots. It's been I feel like it's been a while since probably our first episode here on Blue Wire where we did our recaps. It's been a while since we talked hip-hop. Yeah, but so, I mean, no, no, no. I'm sorry, man. We can't talk about hip-hop. The 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. My 49ers uh, are going back <laughs> to the Super Bowl. Nothing else matters. This podcast doesn't matter. You listeners don't matter. I don't need your follows. I don't need anything. I'm going to the Super Bowl. All right, I got that out of my system. We can talk about You it. do understand that you have to now win the Super Bowl. Because no, there's don't. few things spo- worse. No. no there's few no. things worse than losing the Super Bowl, right? No, no. Getting there for a team that wasn't even expected to barely make the playoffs this year, getting there is, is satisfying. I have no issue. Like, if we lose to the Kansas City Chiefs, it's the Chiefs. I'm okay with that. Yes, of course I want to win. I, I would I would love to get a Super Bowl title against the Chiefs. But, dude, come on. We weren't supposed to be here. If you're the Patriots you don't make the Super Bowl, you should be pissed off. But if we're the <laughs> Niners and we make the Super Bowl, come on, man. Winning You were supposed to be top. here. No. Last year, people were predicting you to go far. Jimmy G gets hurt, and you guys get, or two years ago, you guys get a gift in Bosa. So it's ridiculous. You guys are here because your quarterback tore his ACL in his knee and delayed the process long enough for you guys to get a generational pass rusher. Yeah, but we still weren't predicted to make the Super Bowl. Nobody picked us to pick go to the Super Bowl. Nobody picked us to win the West. No, the Rams were the easy exactly. pick to win the rest. Exactly. 
So I mean, look, man, we got it. We got home field advantage in the playoffs. We we done stomped the mud hole in Minnesota. We beat up on Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, and we're going to the Super Bowl. So if we were to lose to Kansas City, yeah, I'd be sad. But come on, man, we ain't supposed to be here right now. And let's be it's, real. That's an easy path. You guys didn't see the Saints. You guys didn't see we the, already beat um, the Saints. Seahawks. We, Much we beat tougher the, road. But, but look what we did. We are we beat the Seahawks to get home field advantage. So yeah, we beat them. We had the, one of the toughest stretches in recent NFL memories. Memory playing a bunch of teams that were had phenomenal records. When people were like, "We're going to find out if they're for real." And what did we do? We proved we are for real. So yeah, now Super Bowl bound, running the ball fifty million times, and your quarterback yes. throwing it eight. Hey, if Green Bay can't stop it, what do you, what do you want us to do? Does Jimmy G need to throw the ball? <laughs> I mean, Debo Samuel's a beast. Emmanuel Sanders is a beast. Kittles is a beast, but we ain't need them today. We did not need them to beat the Packers. The Packers just couldn't stop the run. So, yes, we're going to the Super Bowl. We're fast on the edges. Our defense is pretty healthy. Tevin Coleman, hope he gets well. I don't know how bad this injury is. Of course, we're recording this by the time Monday rolls around and you guys are listening. We should have an update, but I'm happy. I don't need to win the Super Bowl. I would love to, but come on, man. This Everyone is, needs to win the Super Bowl. In two Listen, weeks, I will ask fan. you the same Relax. question. Relax. When we went against the Patriots and they were undefeated, I was like, oh, yeah, it's great. We beat Brett Favre, Frozen Tundra. Oh, look at this. We're just in the Super Bowl. And then I was like, you know what? I want to win. I didn't care. I was like, yo, we're playing with house money. Of course, we're supposed to lose to undefeated Patriots. But I wanted to win. If we would have lost that game, it would have broke my heart. But we didn't because Elijah Manning delivers. We'll see if Garoppolo can do that. I want to win. Of course I want to win. But I'm not going to be devastated. I'm not going to be like, man, we were supposed to win and we didn't. I want If you're there in person, you better be devastated. Well, yes. I'm going to be in Miami for Super Bowl week. So, you know, we're trying to work some magic because, you know, (laughs) we have the fight on Thursday. And we actually, I'm actually credentialed for Super Bowl week activities because we'll be talking to a lot of players about fights, which is cool. But it's taking a whole new spin. And everybody knows it because I'm insufferable right now in the Zone Sport News chat. I'm like, listen, guys. It was when, when we booked this fight, I was hoping, but now that it's here, oh, I'm about to be a problem all week. Insufferable. <laughs> I done ordered my, my, my Jimmy G jersey because I didn't have one. I had a bunch of Kaepernick jerseys. I done ordered some new kicks. Dog, it's about to be real. <laughs> listen, to add to my st- look, listen, I already got a bunch of nine stuff as it is, but to add to it, come on, I'm about to be insufferable. All right, we can talk about Eminem now. It's fine. <laughs> yes, in hip hop. Eminem dropped a surprise album, and it didn't, you know, I'm sure excite you as much as your Niners winning tonight, but it excited a lot of people. It was the latest in a long trend of these surprise albums. No promo, no nothing, which a guy that big, like we've seen it with, what, Jay-Z, Beyonce, cold to a level. Like, when you're that big, your fans are going to buy your stuff anyway. So just drop it. No need to waste money on marketing and, and promoing it and putting out 5 million singles. He just drops it, puts out the video that day. The video, which features, and the song itself, is about the Vegas shooting and gun control and violence in this country. So that in itself is like a bomb when it drops and a huge talking topic. And then the album rolls out after that and everyone starts listening to the album the hype train was real for it. I want to know your opinion. Because I, you liked M, but you liked early M. Where does this stand as far as 
some of his work lately and then your just overall feelings on the album I mean full disclosure when I worked at a hip hop site um, many many years ago uh, Pizzo who was the, the man who ran hip hop site War and Peace actually ran uh, Eminem's website so yeah I was a big fan early like Scribble Jam Eminem uh, when he was doing all his guest spots even before the Rockets era uh, Slim Shady EP Eminem I was a big fan uh, always thought his wordplay was phenomenal. Always thought he was a f- remarkable MC. Guys who say things that make me go, damn, I wish I would have said that, are the type of MCs I like. And that's always been Eminem to me. Uh, huge fan of the Slim Shady LP, Marshall Mathers LP. Eminem shows where it started to fall off for me. And then it was just like, all right, it just got ridiculous. The voices and everything else got ridiculous at a point. Um, so this album... I liken it to this. It's not a bad album. It's not a great album. It has its moments, which all Eminem albums do. Listen, we know you can rap. And when I hear an Eminem album, I'm like, cool, you can rap. Perfect example is this is Godzilla, where I'm like, this song is cool. And then the <laughs> last like minute of the album is like him spitting like a million words a minute. And I'm like, I don't need this in my life because I know you can rap. I liken it to, I like choreography. I like dancing. I've always been a big fan of dancing. And I like to watch great choreographed routines i've always it's just it's something that i have a weird obsession with um but then there's always the one guy who does a bunch of flips there's like the chris brown dancer who just does a bunch of flips <laughs> and acrobatic shit and it was like dude just just do the choreography like why are you doing all this flip that's eminem it's like you don't have to do all this focus on the routine focus on making great songs um because there are some there are some pretty good songs on here but he's never been a great great at hooks um and some of the wordplay, like he's been doing the same, I don't want to call it a gimmick, but it's his thing has been wordplay for so many years where, he, you know, he, he focuses heavily on double entendres, but they become so simple now because he's basically used all the ones he's had for like the last 20 years. So there's <laughs> just, like, I think there's something where he says, um, something about being hunted in you know for a hundred dollars he's like you're a hundred deer and i'm like oh god there's so many yeah that was horrible moments and there's a lot of them on this album and it just he's become kind of a one-trick pony but he can write songs like he can do uh great narrative like into deep is one of our favorite songs on the album i like that song a lot and it has nothing to do with like a bunch of wordplay it's just talking about relationships and i was like this is cool but he doesn't do enough of that on this album the songs with royce Unbelievable song with Slaughterhouse, phenomenal. But then it's just like, all right, you can rap. We know you can rap. I need to see something else. <laughs> yeah, when he has something to talk about, and I'll agree. When he has something to talk about, I think that's the best version of Eminem. And I've always thought that. So you know, you get the the stands, or you get even like gimmicky songs later on, like Puke or Superman. Like I like those songs. But they have a topic. I really like Superman. To be be clear, like Superman is a song that a lot of people didn't like. I like Superman. But. Oh, I like Superman. Yeah, like it's a topic. So he can focus when there's a topic. It's sometimes when he gets into just being a rapidy rap rapper dude and tries to fit a million syllables into four bars or, you know, I don't, I'm not a big fan of super fast rapping Eminem. Like you said, no. Godzilla's cool. When he starts rapping super fast, that's that's not my favorite version of Eminem. I really don't like that version. That's what we got a lot on the last couple of albums. Even Rap God. I was like, Rap God is dope, but 
he's just spitting so fat. Like, I don't want that. So when I heard Darkness in the single, I was like, oh, he slowed it down again. Perfect. And my favorite songs in this album are that version of Eminem. So Darkness, uh, Stepdad, which is cool. It's kind of like, you know, My Dad's Gone Crazy or the other joints he's done from his mom, for his mom back in the day. Kind of real Eminem show ish but i like stepdad as a song like i don't take it too serious but it's hilarious and it tells a story so i I like those type of tracks on here when he gets off the handles like whatever but i do really like the features throughout the whole album i don't think he missed on a feature ed sharon was perfect for that hook on those kind of nights which is just a funny song but ed sharon crushed the hook on that like you said royce production wise and on the mic did his thing on this album. And Young M.A. shocked the hell out of me being on the second song of the album and crushing it. She's dope. She's always been She's dope. super dope. Her album's just super by the numbers, and I, I was very disappointed with Young M.A.'s album. But as a, as an MC, like, if she figured out, like, yo, you should just rap and not try to, like, appeal to other people. And she's almost got, like, the cannabis syndrome. Like, it was time for the album. She was like, all right, I need a song about this. I need a song about this. She could rap. And she proved that on this album, Rhyming Alongside M. No, definitely. It Again, she needs something more to rap about, right? She needs someone to take her album and be like, yo, this is the structure of it. Let's have a theme with this and then just rap about that. Instead of hitting this benchmark, this benchmark, we need a club song, we need a hood song, we need a, you know, a song about relationships and, you know, your heart being broken. Then the next one, like, no checking numbers, get a theme, run with it. Uh, it's one thing, as a female artist, Rhapsody does really well. And we see Kendrick doing this and J. Cole, a, a theme. And this was as close as I got with Eminem. And I like the, the theme, the music, to be murdered by Love, Alfred Hitchcock anyway. So you, you go through some of the, you know, the skits and the interludes. It, it was dope. It fit together well. The sequencing of songs here and there were kind of weird. Like, going from Godzilla to Darkness was kind of odd. Um, Yaya into Stepdad was kind of weird. So oh, the sequencing the, 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 was no a little off. Reason. There's no rhyme or reason to an Eminem album. It's just like, all right, song here, song here, let's go. This, it's just, it's not like, it's not like Royce would like book a Ryan where there was a story to tell, right? Because there's layers to Royce that he's been peeling off for like the last 15, 20 years. Eminem still has kind of one layer. And when it comes to songwriting and sequencing of an album, it's just like, all right, this song should go here. Because it really, Yaya and the Stepdad makes absolutely no sense. It's None. stupid. <laughs> but that's and just what he did. It, there's many things that went wrong with the Slaughterhouse on uh, M's label fiasco but the one thing that still sticks out to me was that slaughterhouse album was sequenced horribly the worst there's no reason uh, i think even though the intro was cool there's no reason that the song die should not have been the intro just the way that it was just the intro of that song and I think what Sway did the intro and it was so hype and then it rolls right in to them and they're just crushing it. The beat's so great. I was like, yo, this if this was the intro, the whole album's different. Sequencing was atrocious on that album. And that's, again, one of M's biggest problems. But as we go and roll through this, the features, I mean, Royce on You Gonna Learn and Black Thought on Yaya was just 
insane. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's one again. It's one of them joints where it's like, as soon as you see those names, you're like, all right, cool. They're about to rap my face off, and I'm cool with that. Like, Black Thought is an MC's MC. He raps for the sake of rapping, and I love him for it because he still finds new and creative ways to say shit. Eminem doesn't hasn't really done that. Like, I've been a fan of M since like we shine like there's so many joints that Eminem was doing that people just weren't aware of like there was a time when Eminem was just there was all these Lucy there was just loose joints of M features everywhere and I just buy them like I, I would find some way out website because hip hop site we didn't even have them all and I just I buy a CD of them because I just love those verses but now it's just like he's rapping but he's run out of creative ways to say certain things and then he just gets to the cringe like it's like ah that was wild. <laughs> and then it was like black thought and royce on the other hand it's just like they're continuing to bring it in new and creative ways and to be royce is 42 m is 43 44 thought is around that same age three guys in their 40s rhyming like that that's ridiculous that's crazy yeah there's th- we're truly starting to see that there's no limit to hip-hop in terms of age and i you know i like yeah i kind of liked you know older i mean i don't know who from the 80s really kept being dope rock kim was always dope to me i mean even when he made that kane is dope every now and then when kane jumps on a feature i thought it was dope krs1 to me never fell off he still beat nelly i don't care what anyone says debate your moms uh yo i don't do it i yeah, I can't subscribe to the idea of Nelly beating anybody in the battle, but whatever. <laughs> I'm just just saying, like, so I always thought those guys could rap, you know, long after people decided that they were too old to do it. But now I think, again, it's one of the benefits of Jay-Z is where he's like, you know what? He tried retiring because it wasn't cool for old people to rap. Then he decided, you know what? The hell with this. I'm going to rap until I can't rap no more. And we're seeing that, no, you know what? Older rappers still got it. Yo, on that note, if anybody's heard these the three joints that Redman put out last week, I'm I'm a big Redman fan. Um, Slap the shit out you. It's like vintage Redman, and I'm listening to him. I'm like, yo, he's got to be he's forty, almost fifty years old, and he's still fucking hilarious. Like Redman, them new joints. Like I want a Redman album. I Redman's one of these severely underrated at rappers of any era. People forget how incredible Redman is. And yeah, he just put out like three songs, and he's in his forties. There's, there's a lot of guys that are in their forties. De La Soul, they ain't young. They still rap. And the thing, I think, the thing is more importantly, is that hip hop has finally reached a point where it's been able to grow up. Right? It's not everybody who who was like was born into rap are now all in their thirties and forties. When hip hop just started. That's how they grew up with it. So now that there's a, a an audience for the guys that are growing up where you don't have to make young music anymore. It's cool. Like, you want to listen to Travis Scott? You appeal to the 20-year-olds. It's like rock. Once rock reaches a certain age, like, the, yo, the Rolling Stones are never not going to tour. I think Tool <laughs> Ever. just did a show. Yeah, like, Tool just did a show in Vegas the other night. Um, and people wanted to see it. Like, Rage? I'd love to go to a Rage Against the Machine show. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of kids that don't give a shit about Rage. But I, I love Rage or like Radiohead and shit like that. Like hip hop has finally reached that era where the grown rappers still have an audience and they can make new music and it appeals to the people that they like. And they don't have to change their sound necessarily. And there's an audience for everybody. And M is kind of caught in that trap where he still makes John Bonet Ramsey references. It's like, yo, man, it's 2020. I don't even hear that shit anymore. 
I, he hasn't necessarily really matured and grown up. Darkness is a song where it feels like he has, but I also feel like Darkness is a song he could have done 15 years ago. Royce, on the other hand, yeah. which we'll talk about in a minute, Royce, as you listen to his music, he's grown with his music. Like I think he makes a reference to a colonoscopy, and I'm like, yo, nobody's doing that. That's like kind of what Fonte <laughs> did with like, it, you know, like with, with uh, Fonte's whole album is about just being grown up and washed. And that's cool because there's a lot of grown up and watch people who love hip hop. But you got to learn how to go with that audience. And I don't think M has really figured that part out. I think he still wants to be young at heart because his rhymes were that. You know, they were attacking pop culture at a certain time. And then he got the stupid voices and did all that shit. He has never really learned how to grow up in his music. So this album is cool. But when I was done listening to it, I was like, cool, where's Royce's album? That's, that's the only thing I was like, cool. I need that Royce <laughs> I felt the same way. I felt the same way. I was like, oh, okay, I'm ready for a Royce album. Like, ASAP. Because his three appearances on this were just great. Just it, in, incredible. I like the beats that he made. He made the beat for Darkness. Um, I thought that was really cool. He showed his range. He's still growing. He's still learning. And to me, that is really, really dope. Uh, I found it funny that M was kind of petty having the whole Slaughterhouse song without Joe Budden. That shit was funny. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and it was like, all right, like, okay. Like, I, I get it. Um, Joey's enjoying retirement, though, so it's like, all right, congrats. Like, you're no sweat off of his back. But let's be real. No one wants to see Eminem replace Joe Budden in Slaughterhouse. Like, I mean, if that's like... Uh, no, like... He can't fill that void. So I was like, okay, hand, hand clap to you. It was a dope song, though. So I like that. And not too spicy of a take. M probably had the worst verse. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's Man, it, it's so crazy. It's I, I guess it's the way I can do this comparison with Eminem and Royce. Because I was a big fan of Bad Meets Evil. Like, the original Bad Meets Evil. The original scary movies and all that shit. Um... And you look at their careers, right? And like M took off and Royce didn't necessarily take off. And he was kind of left behind. Then he had beef with him. And, you know, Royce did Malcolm X and murdered the entire crew and there's a bunch of other shit. But M was still always the bigger rapper. I liken this <laughs> to Bernard Hopkins and Roy Jones. Roy <laughs> Jones had astronomical highs and then fell the fuck off. Whereas Bernard lost to Roy, but then he just continued to get better with age and as he got better with age technique got better became a better defensive fighter uh, and then he was just he was just winning fights so when you look at the the length of the career yes Eminem like Roy Jones in that pocket of his greatness is un, was untouchable but over the course of his career you look at Bernard and you're like well Bernard probably had the better career at long term because he fought everybody he wanted to light heavyweight one he did everything, but but there was nothing that could parallel the, the peak of Roy Jones. But it depends on what you choose. Do you choose longevity or do you t choose the highest of highs? It's hard to pick. Me personally, I think when it's all said and done, I think I'm going to have Royce higher than Eminem on my greatest rappers of all time list. Just because of what he's doing now and he's still doing it. But I've always been partial to Royce, to be clear. When I first heard Boom, I was like, fuck, this guy's incredible. Still one of my favorite songs and beats of all time. Yeah, I, I have Royce above him now. Like, Death is Certain Royce was just a whole different beast. And then now he just, you know, obviously he's grown with his music. But I love old 
angry, drunk Royce as much as I like grown and sober Royce now. He just never fell off. He, he's had so many different things. We talked about this. We had him on the show. He was cool, oh, yeah, great guest to have Royce on. on the show. Yeah, that Royce has been a ago. guest of the podcast. Um, I to, Listen, I got Royce lyrics tattooed on my arm. I say this all the time. Like, no one can tell me anything different. Like, no, Royce is better than him. Yes, I have his lyrics on my arm. It's, it's that's, and it's an album cut. This shit ain't even, like, well-known Royce lyrics. So, it's it's not surprising for me to see him, you know, really shine. Will the money and accolades add up? Probably not. But real hip-hop heads? Yeah. I, I think they know now who the better rapper is. And the more Royce gets showcased on Eminem tracks, because for a long time, when they were beefing, we couldn't. We didn't hear them together. Now when they're back together, and it's like, okay, you can see the drastic difference between the two. Royce never has the worst verse on the track. Bad Meets Evil album, Slaughterhouse songs where M features. This album, Royce's verse is always a notch above. Yeah. So that's, that's where I stand with that. Great boxing comparison, though, because we're rolling into boxing. That's what we're here to talk about today. And before we get into the fights that happened this weekend, I want to touch on some stuff that happened on social media in the boxing realm. One, Floyd Mayweather. When he's not posting girls busting it open from girls collection, he decides to post horribly made posters teasing Fights in 2020 between him and Connor and him and Khabib. We'll get into the whole MMA thing, especially Connor on Wednesday. But the Floyd aspect, I think he's really coming back. Okay. Am I stupid for buying into this? Like, I, I know these things are cheesy, right? But these are the cheesy things we saw the first time and dismissed as, nah, this is just him trying to keep his name in the cycle. This is just the narrative. But this is the same cheesy, stupid things he did last time. And we got the Floyd fight or the McGregor fight in a big ass tent. So I, I think he's going to fight again. Uh, I mean, this was a heat check is what happened. I mean, Conor McGregor went out there and dispatched at Donald Cerrone in 40 seconds. Obviously, all of you have heard about it. We'll talk more in depth about it on our MMA show. And immediately, Floyd posts on Instagram. Well, I don't believe Floyd posts shit on Instagram. I think he had somebody post on Instagram and do that whack Photoshop job. Uh, Floyd and McGregor. Then he waits a few minutes, and then it's Floyd and Khabib. And then Manny Pacquiao, Sean Gibbons, Manny Pacquiao's manager, posts a picture of Pacquiao and McGregor. Listen, man, it's a heat check. They He wants to see how many people want this. And when you put it out there, because basically it's your collateral. It's like, all right, cool. I can show you how many people want this. And then you can take it to Showtime or ESPN or whoever and be like, this is who wants it. Pay me a half a billion dollars. Like, whatever Floyd wants. It's a heat check. And it's one of those things where I say, I don't want this. And nobody's going to want it until they announce it. And then you're going to have no choice but to deal with it. And when you deal with it, then you just get caught up in the moment. And then you have FOMO because you don't want to miss it. So you're going to watch <laughs> it. Like, I, I have no desire for them to fight again. Not at all. And as much as Conor McGregor said this week about, I think if I had a few more rounds, I could beat Floyd. No, no, you can't. You couldn't. Floyd carried you for a reason. And that reason is for a multi-million dollar rematch. That's the reason why he carried you, to make it entertaining. If he would have washed you, there would be no need for a rematch. But now he's left a little bit in your head that says, yeah, maybe I could beat Floyd. And uh, you, um, you can't beat Floyd Mayweather. You can't. Just relax. <laughs> but 
if they book the fight again, all the idiots last time that, was, that said that Conor had a chance, they'll do it again. They'll say he has a chance. And it may not do the numbers that Floyd and Conor did, the 4.5 million pay-per-view buys, but I still think Oh, it'll it get close. It, it'll, do, it'll still do huge numbers. The, the problem is figuring out when that fight happens because if Conor's in full MMA mode this year, especially, you know, looking for a Khabib fight and looking for a possible Masvidal fight, which are both really big fights that can get him paid. A fight with, with Floyd means that he would have to completely shift on training camps and focus on boxing. And I can't see Conor just needing like an eight-week camp. He needs like a huge camp for this fight. So I don't know if he even fights either of them this year. I know the, the, the pot can get sweet, but if you're if you're Dana White, you don't want Conor doing either of those fights at all. You want to keep him as far away from Floyd and Manny Pacquiao as possible. You want to keep him fighting Khabib and Tony or Tony Ferguson or Masvidal for the rest of the year. Yeah, you want all the money. Yeah, you don't want to split and co-promote. No. So, but again, is fifty percent of astronomical numbers better than a hundred percent of really good numbers? Well, see that I think that's where the the part that we don't know, because. Conor went out and said he was making eighty million dollars for this fight, and then Nevada State Athletic Commission released that he made three million. Three million. And then people are like, "Well, where's this seventy-seven uh, million dollars come from?" I have no idea. Obviously, there's going to be you know proper twelve when he's getting paid off of that, uh, the Reebok money, uh, whatever undisclosed money, pay-per-view points. I still don't know how he gets to eighty mil, but I think there's enough money in the UFC coffers. Where if Connor's like, eh, I think I'm going to go fight Floyd Mayweather, that they pull money out their ass to keep him to, to fight Khabib. Because the reality is, Connor versus Khabib, too, may not do Mayweather-Pacquiao numbers, but I think it could do two and a half to three million pay-per-view buys if they build it right. And with the channel, like, doing this through ESPN, the paywall behind a paywall makes it difficult. But using that vehicle to sell the fight, as long as Stephen A. Smith ain't talking about this shit, that's the fight to make. <laughs> We'll they're they're working one. the man hard. Yeah, yeah they're, dude. They're working the man hard. Like both ends is what they're doing. But that's you have to keep him in house. But but if you're Floyd, you're looking at it like, dude, this is an easy payday. Like whatever Floyd looks at with with Connor and Khabib, because a fight with Khabib in like Russia is like Rocky Four levels of ridiculous, and the money would be stupid, and Khabib would get washed by Floyd. But. It's a heat check, man. You, you try to you try to pull one of those guys over to your side, to and you break them off more than they've ever made in the UFC to box you. It's a heat check. I, I, if he comes back it's against one of those two, it's, he's not fighting a boxer. We could be pretty clear, unless it's Manny Pacquiao, which I don't even think he really wants to do. He's not fighting a boxer. No, no, not at this stage. Manny just beat Keith Thurman. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not fine. We weren't sure if Floyd could beat Keith Thurman. Like, at this advantage. Like, it's... No, he's not fighting. He's not fighting Manny now. Nah. I mean, he wouldn't fight Adrian Broner now. And that's easy money. Like, I don't think he wants to be that engaged. But I do think he'll come back for the check. And like yeah. you said, they'll be dumb enough to pay him $500 million. Yeah, I mean... Floyd, Floyd, he, he's the master manipulator, man. He goes out there, he'll say some shit. Like, he was supposed... To, there was a rumor last night he was supposed to be at UFC uh, 246. 
there was like Tyson Fury was there, Clarissa Shields was there, um, and there was a rumor that Floyd was going to show up. Uh, his bodyguards were there, but he wasn't there unless he like snuck in the back door. And Dana White said at the post-fight press conference that Floyd was blowing him up, which I believe because Floyd's trying to bait him into it. And then Dana also said that they're going to be doing something with Floyd Mayweather this year. Obviously, it won't be an MMA fight, but they, obviously they're working on something. Whatever it is, everybody's going to get paid. But don't get it confused. If Floyd has the opportunity to, to box Conor McGregor, he'll put the double cheeseburger down, get back in the gym for like three weeks, and then beat the shit out of Conor again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not going to lose to McGregor in a boxing rules match. No. There's just no not. way. He's not losing to any MMA fighter in a boxing rules match. Just because it's so different. You, you can't. It, it's night and day. You just won't happen. There's no possible way to catch him with that one punch that's going to be needed for you to win that fight. The and only Connor's confidence is amazing, but I, I don't see it. It it have to be UFC-style gloves and rule set, and he's yeah. not dumb enough to do that. I was going to say, the only thing is, like, Floyd's got to get old eventually, but he's fundamentally sound, so he can avoid the bullshit, like wild punches and all that dumb stuff. No worries. But if he's fighting somebody with, like, smaller gloves or an actual boxer, he could get caught. Because I'm sure he's, like, bullshit training, but I don't think he's, like, really training. But, yeah, man, it's a heat check. It's a heat check. Floyd is petty like that also because as soon as Floyd posted that, all the attention went to Mayweather. And all it was the time. Just, yeah, so <laughs> he knows what he's doing. It's a heat check. He wants to see what's going on in the world. He wants to see what people are doing because I'm sure, again, Whichever one is women were holding his phone and posted that. I'm sure Floyd was sitting on his couch with his feet up, probably had some flip-flops on, looked at it and said, how many likes does it have? He probably wasn't looking at that. And they told him the number. He was like, yeah. And then he just, you know, he's going to poke the bear a little bit. My favorite part is that Floyd posts those without caption. And people in the comments would be like, oh, see, he can't write or read. And he just throws it out there. I was like, yeah, damn shame. Like, I guess that's how you know when he posts stuff himself. Um, yeah, so he's not trying to spell anything in those captions. He's like, yo, here, take this poster. You guys write your own caption. So, uh, no, nah, I mean, it took off. It was everywhere. I personally did not post it. Um, just because I was like, I, I'll take the wait and see approach on this one. But if we have to go, you know, and be a part of a mega shit show again, I will be seeing you in September. So it will we'll let that one play out. You touched on Clarissa Shields. She also said something kind of wild this weekend. And she's been on like this promo tour after winning. And that's cool. Heightened in her profile. She was on Breakfast Club. She was on First Take. She was all these different things this past week. And it seems like at every stop, she's just been talking mad shit about Layla Ali. To anyone that'll listen. And I think she might be crazy, but crazy like a fox. I think that if that fight could happen, one, you got to pay Layla Lee the bag. But why wouldn't she come out to fight, make a lot of money? And for Clarissa Shields, it's going to be a win, another decision win, obviously. But I think it has enough marquee names that it could be like the biggest fight in women's boxing history. I mean... I think we kind of mentioned this was last week or the week before. It was, I said the issue with Clarissa Shields is she doesn't have a foil. She doesn't have a rival. She doesn't have an opponent that she's going into a fight and people say, oh, she might lose to her or there's a bit of 
rivalry there or something to get get interest. There's nobody for Clarissa. She's too good. She's already done everything she needs to do in less than 15 fights. So Layla Ali is the name that people would recognize because she's the daughter of the, of a legend who was a really good fighter. But Layla has no business fighting Clarissa Shields. She shouldn't. But you pay her enough money, get that ass beat for a lot of money. And then you help Clarissa along the way. I mean, look, man, something's got to be done because boxing is so weird, man. Like, I, we love boxing. We love combat sports. But women's MMA is light years ahead of boxing when it comes to promoting women. Boxing just doesn't do a good job of it. For example, even last night, at the she, which Clarissa Shields at the fight, I, I don't remember them even recognizing her, but they focused on Tyson Fury. Clarissa was sitting right next to him. And, they, like, what are we doing? Like, how are we not promoting this woman who's easily one, maybe already the best women's boxer on the face of the planet in history? But we're doing nothing there. So, yeah, a Layla Ali fight, yeah, bait her into it. I don't even, like, how old is Layla right now? I don't think Layla's, like, boxed in, like, at all, even sparring in years. But, fuck it, why not? Like, how old is Layla? I'm looking it up. I don't want to call her the wrong age because, you know, respect for women's ages and such. Um, no, I was right. She is 42 years old. Yeah, man, she has no business fighting Clarissa Shields. Floyd's age. She was just doing an Oprah show. Follow her on Instagram. Yeah. I, she no has no business. business, but is not necessarily at a point where she'll really get knocked out. Right? Like, what's the worst case scenario? I mean, she could get knocked out. I mean, let's be clear. Somebody who hasn't fought professionally in a decade... Fighting someone who's been active could get knocked out. Like it's it's different. Like when you haven't fought for this long and you step in there with somebody, yeah, two minute rounds suck and all that, but Clarissa's fighting women who are at least have been training or fighting for at least, you know, several years. Layla hasn't touched the ring in years, so she could get stopped. She could get overwhelmed, <laughs> get stopped. Not knocked out cold, but she could get stopped. The ref could jump in. So it, it's not a necessarily a dangerous fight, but I, I, Clarissa needs to run. I, yeah, I, I think that's the best case scenario for Clarissa Shield. If anything, Clarissa got to carry her. Like Mayweather carried Connor. You just got to be like, yo, listen, thank you. I'm not going to whoop your ass that bad. Yeah, I don't think Because you're my only any. hope. <laughs> no, I don't know. No, she'd be she just any. a horrible person and fuck her up. <laughs> just, there's no. No handshake deals on her side. Mm -mm. No, but Clarissa ain't that, that type. She's not a businesswoman. She's coming in to beat that ass. <laughs> like, that's all she cares about. I like yeah, her for all, it, but that's all she cares about. <laughs> all bad. Um, no, that'd be, that'd be very interesting to see. Talking about fights that actually happened this weekend. First and foremost, what is with your boy J-Rock? Me ran into a buzzsaw, man. Forget, like, okay. J-Rock, obviously... Those who pay attention, Rosario knocked out J-Rock in five rounds. Um, J-Rock was in bad shape in the fifth round. And it was wild because I'm cage-side for the McGregor fight. And I think that fight is happening during... Might have been the all-in-the-green fight. It was it was a trash fight that was happening. And Sergio Mora, who works with me over at The Zone, had posted a tweet like, J-Rock just got upset. And I was like, what? And he was like, he tweeted and was like, yeah. Da, da, da. And then I started seeing the videos and I was like... Wait a minute. And you know the first thing I thought about? Jared Hurd. That was the first thing I thought about. You passed on this rematch. <laughs> and yep. now some unheralded dude is now the un... He's the... Uh, he's a unified. unified. 
Yeah, Unify 54 champions. That, that was supposed to be you. And I get it. Jared Hurd got a new trainer, changed camps. He wants to get a fight in before he was going to rematch with J-Rod. But now that rematch don't even matter no more. Because he got no, Now you got to wait a year. Because J-Rod got a rematch clause. Yeah. But damn, Which he man. was perfectly happy to say, like, oh, we got a rematch clause. We'll just run it back. I was like, yeah, man, you fought like you had a rematch clause. There was zero urgency in his fighting. And it comes down to his chin might be shot. You hit him with the right one, he has no way of recovering. At all. He has, as soon as he's dazed or buzzed, he doesn't have that, that next gear. He has no survival methods. It was over. As soon as he got clipped, it was over. And he ate one of the nastiest uppercuts I've seen. Dude. So it, I, I don't know. Maybe, it has me thinking. Maybe he's not as good as we made him out to be. Um, but then I he mean, beat Jared Hurd. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't want to say he's not good as he was. We made him out to be because I think when he lost to Charlo, that's when the luster got knocked off of J Rock. So I think when J Rock came back and beat Hurd, a lot of us say, well, you know, maybe he bounced back from a loss. But I think the flaws are the flaws, and they may never be corrected. So. The issue with him now is, you know, how do you bounce back from this? 54 is an interesting division because now, you know, it's a lot of guys, man. It's a lot of guys taking L's. Like, nobody's out here just clean. So, it's it's, it's anybody can be beaten on any given night. So, you run the, the Rosario Williams fight back. Who knows what happens? But now Jared Hurst is sitting there like, well, okay, I hope J-Rock wins because I want my, sh- my shot back. But what does he do in the interim? If I Charlo, I I tell you this much. Whenever Errol Spence decides to go up to one fifty four, he's wrecking everyone. Yeah, I agree with that. Every single person, little Charlo, um, or, or I think it's big Charlo. They might be like a couple seconds older. Regardless, Charlo, J Rock, just. Hurt, it doesn't matter. He's crushing all of them. Rosario, if he's still got a belt, right now, J-Rock, who, the winner of this, if I'm Errol Spence, I'm saying, yo, I'm fighting the winner. Off rip. Put me down. They fight again in the summer. Next next fall, I'm fighting the winner of this fight for both belts. Let's get it. Jared Hurd, you're getting skipped right now. I'm fighting the winner of that fight for both belts. I already, I want to debut in 154 having both belts off rip and chasing the other two. It's, man, it's tough, man. Because the, the, only, the only issue with that is that the money fights are at 47. There are no money fights at 54 for Errol Spence. And Errol Spence isn't a money guy. As much as you really want to think, think he is, He's not a guy that people will just watch him. He's not a Conor McGregor. He's not a Canelo Alvarez who will just show up to watch him beat up almost anybody. He needs an opponent, and people still want to see him fight Terrence Crawford. But yeah, but you're right in the sense like if he was like, you know what, can't make 47, going to jump to 54 and see what happens, cleans out the division. I don't see him having much trouble with that. It's just not a lot of money for him to clean out the division. The question is, is can you force the narrative and make someone come up to you? Like right, who? so like Terrence Crawford fight. Nah, at small. 147, okay, he's too small at 147. Floyd was too small at 154 for being, you know, for being a buck. But there were fights that made him go up. Manny had a fight up. 
Like there's uh mostly made the jump. Yeah, but it's it's different. Like when... these guys went up for a fight. Can you there's to me it's still very close. I would pick Errol Spence, but it's very close between him and Terrence Crawford at one forty seven. That gap widens astronomically if he has to go up to one fifty four to fight him. Yes, but like the examples that you mentioned, like Floyd, Manny, um Shane. Yeah, when they but De La Hoya did it, but I don't count those. But it's like, well, De La Hoya got bounced by Bernard Hopkins when he tried to go through yeah, the weight. Yeah, he but, got worked. Yeah, I don't count De La Hoya in this yeah, one. But most guys, they pick their spots. Pacquiao, when he fought Margarito, yeah, looked dangerous. Or when he, even when he fought De La Hoya, Pacquiao just kind of dared to be great, and he was a wrecking machine along the way. Terrence Crawford is not the wrecking machine that Manny Pacquiao was when in his heyday. So for him to jump up to fight, because it's not like like. But what about fought, Floyd? Floyd did it. Floyd went up to 152 to fight Canelo. Yeah, but Canelo... Which it wasn't an easy fight. It was young Canelo, but that's still a big dude, and there was the rehydration clause. But, I mean, but again, there were, there were issues there. You're not fighting... Like, Canelo was not yet in his prime. De La Hoya was on the end of... Towards being washed and ended up getting retired by Manny. Errol's in his prime. So to, to go up to a, a guy who's clearly bigger than you and to fight him at a, at a higher weight... Terrence shouldn't do that. There's nobody that's going to chase Errol up the ladder at 154. That's That has an advantage if they fought at 47. Not even an advantage. That wouldn't be as disadvantaged at 47. You want to fight Errol at 47. You don't want to fight him at 54. He's much more comfortable. you got to drain him. That's strategy. No, yeah. I mean, that, that, that is strategy. But if Errol can force the narrative and be the A-side and dictate the terms, then, yeah, move up to 154 and have people come get you. He's already the A-side. But, yeah, but I'm saying, who is he going to be like, yo, come get me at 54? And you're like, yeah. Who's doing that? I. It ain't, it's not Terrence. Sean rematch would be at 54. I think why, you can get. Why would, why would Sean even do that? Like, in, unless Errol had, like, a bunch of belts for him to come get. Like, Sean's made it clear, like, because Sean, people, people forget, he fought at 54 and 60 when he when he started. And he was like, ah, these guys are kind of big. And he came back down. So it's like, yeah. who who would Arrow fight that would go, who, at 47, who would follow him up? Danny Garcia? No. Danny no. Garcia, was, he's little too for yeah. 54. No, you, again, if Terrence, you, you would say then Arrow bounces Terrence clears the division at 47. Correct? Like, if the if all parties made it work. If Errol bounces and Terrence is at 47, here are the fights that you have for Terrence Crawford at 47. Danny Garcia, Keith Thurman, Sean Porter, and maybe even Manny Pacquiao. I think Manny unifies the belts. He gets the belts that are vacated by Spence. I think he takes those belts, unifies them, and it's really only... Manny probably holding three belts to Terrence Crawford's one, and he only has to beat one of them to get all of the belts. Wait, so you you you, you would say that Manny Pacquiao would beat Sean Porter? Yeah, I, I would say Errol Spence vacates his two belts to go up to 144 and get, or excuse me, 154 to get two, and then it's Manny Pacquiao versus Sean Porter for the vacated belts and Manny's one belt. Yep, I think Manny wins that fight. It's not going to be easy. I think Manny beats Sean Porter, has three belts in one fight. Terrence Crawford has the lone other belt. They fight to unify them, a fight that's been in the making for forever. 
Terrence Crawford wins and he becomes the undisputed champion at 147 pounds. Yep. Yeah. I think it takes two fights. This shit could happen I, by the end of 2020. I don't see that at all. I, first of all, I know that Manny Pacquiao doesn't want to fight Sean Porter. That's one. Two, Keith Thurman's still lingering. And there's still interest. Like, if Terrence Crawford's going to come over, Terrence Crawford could fight and defend those titles. Because the names that I just mentioned, that's like two years of fighting right there. Like, Garcia. But not if... Again, if those belts are vacated, Pacquiao gets three belts in one shot. Okay, but you're you're assuming that Pacquiao is going to fight and there's going to be no mandatory and he's not going to vacate a title and he's going to immediately defend them, depending on who the number one contender is. A lot of factors with the sanctioning bodies. But even if even if your ridiculous scenario were to come through, Terrence Crawford's still not moving up to 54. I think if he gets 54 and Spence gets three belts, excuse me, if he gets all the belts at 47 in two fights... Dream scenario, obviously. But two fights, he takes his mandatory, Manny versus, oh, you want to put Sean, Manny versus Sean for all three belts. That's cool. Manny gets those three. Next November, Crawford, Manny, Crawford wins. In that meantime, Spence moves up, collects two belts at 54. In November, he collects, uh, you know, another one, November, December. Dude, Kale. You give him... I don't know. Whoever the hell has Yo, one of the other stop, belts, Charlo. Stop, stop. These title holders have mandatories. The WBC, the W, they're not just going to allow you just to collect belts without defending them against their mandatories. It's not It happened happen. so fast, I don't think you need mandatories Shit. yet. Because no, we've seen people. No. Become, Do you understand what I'm saying about under. Yeah, Crawford was undisputed at 140. If the timing's right, you can make that shit happen. Okay. If, again... If these guys were, if, if Manny were to fight Sean Porter, let's just say that were to happen. Yeah, they'd obviously, make him. There's obviously going to be a number one contender for the WBA title. There's obviously going to be a number one contender that's not going to be Terrence Crawford. And he's going to obviously have to defend or vacate. This is the situation we're running into with Canelo right now. Who are you going to fight? You got to pick one. Hmm. Anthony Joshua, same situation. He's got two Joshua, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but this is what happens in boxing. So there's no way that you just like I'm collecting belts, I'm collecting belts, and not face a mandatory, and then you're just gonna jump up and face the other guy who's gonna collect belts of 54 and not face a mandatory. That shit ain't gonna happen. No, the the assumption would be the vacated belts are vacated. So Manny versus the number one for that title. Who's vacating the belts? Spence would have to vacate the belts to move up to make this whole scenario work. And and then you'd have to have the sanctioning bodies agree that two belts would be on the line as vacated? That's not going to happen. Then, yeah, that shit takes too long. Because WBC is going to say, okay, we're going to fight for a belt. And if the WBO was like, yeah, us too, they're like, get the fuck out of here. Get your own titles. Get your own purse bid and do your own thing. Like, it's not... Well, I assume Sean Sean Porter would be the number one for one belt. And then... Hopefully, Manny would be the number one for the other, but that never works. No, it's that's just not how sanctioned bodies work. The WBC, the WBO, and the IBF, they all function differently, and they all have their own number one contenders. I mean, look, you can look at where Devin Haney's at on the WBC versus the IBF before he was a title holder. Or you can look at anybody, and you, the rankings are ridiculous based on the sanctioned bodies and who they choose to put in their top five. Like, Yeah, no, it's crazy. So but again, lightning has struck... I just saw Terrence Crawford do this shit two years ago. He had all four belts and bounced. But Terrence Crawford was a different case because he was fighting mandatories along the way. Yes, you know, it, it was perfect timing. Yeah, th- that's not happening and, and in he, two different and, weight and classes. He, and he caught someone where they had two, he had two, they fought their mandatories, boom, give me all four. Yeah, but that's not happening in two different weight classes. 
You're, you're relying on this to happen at 54 and 47 to make the perfect scenario with undisputed 47 fights and undisputed 54? That's not No, happening. no, I just I, I just thought Spence would need like two belts at 54. Yeah, I don't but think that, he needs all just, the belts. There's not, not enough time to get all the belts. It's just, it's just there's no scenario where where Terrence cleans out this. Like, it, it's going to take time. If it, and I just don't see any benefit. And, I, and I'm pretty sure that Bob Aaron would be like, you're not going to go up to 54 to fight that guy. Well, what would you it'd do be that tough. for? Yeah, I mean, it'd be the big money fight. Again, you have a guy who's undisputed, a guy who left the belts, never lost them at 147, moved up to 154, won two belts. Terrence, going dare to be great. You're not losing your title, so you're coming back down. You're good. You can only gain Spence's titles. That's your incentive. Spence now is putting his titles on the line at 54 so that you have to bump up and he feels more comfortable. There's there's give and takes on both sides on why they would fight each other. Plus, we can market you both as the two best champions in boxing. I'm going to put a so button there's, on So there's I, a lot of pros. I'm going to put a button on this. Spence moves up to 54. He has no interest fighting Terrence Crawford. He's going after Canelo. That's probably real. That going to 160 for Canelo would be some shit, but, but I think that happens mean. in two years. Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, look how big, Errol, yeah. like, dude. If you you spend time with with Terrence, he's small, yeah. tiny. I've spent time with Errol. I've rode with him. I've been played like he's big. He has no business at 47. I don't know how he continues to make this. He could fight Canelo Alvarez when he returns if he wanted to. So if he were to bump up to 54, he's immediately eyeballing 60, and maybe even over at 68. Like he's he's yeah, looking for Canelo. He's not looking behind him. He's looking ahead. So that shit, it's just not gonna happen. Terrence, Terrence, he can have fun at forties because that's still not a cakewalk either. A Keith Thurman, Terrence Crawford fight is still a fight that people would want to see. Oh yeah, and there's there's money to be made there. But and that's the other side of the coin is you got to deal with Al Heyman and PBC to get all those fights made. That's a nightmare in yeah. itself. Well, now I feel better about the top ranked PBC. You know, communicate more so than like either of them doing stuff with the zone. Like the zone, I feel like it works. Everyone lends their people over there for like these tournaments. Those are great, right? The four fighter tournaments, people lend those talents. But a lot of those are at the lighter weight classes. I don't think that shit flies when you get heavier. Um, that's a lie. One seventy five just had it, right? So it's just outside of that. It depends on management, man. Like like Pro Grade, Josh Taylor, NOI, those guys weren't. They didn't have promotional deals at the time. So, I mean, they didn't have network deals. They had promoters. They have network deals. So it's easy to do a tournament because it's like, all right, cool. We'll make a bunch of money, and then we're free agents. But now, like, at, at 47, all the I title holders. better have, though, did it, right? Yeah, but all he, the title holders over... at 47 have network deals. So yeah. it's almost impossible because you got to deal with the network to do a tournament. Reese's program. Yeah, it's not impossible deal. when we. I mean, I'm going through it right now. It's not impossible. These guys are making it work. Is it a headache? Sure. But it's it's far from impossible now when it comes to top rank and PBC. I feel like they've they've got a groove. How about that? Yeah, it's just hard. They know what it takes to do it. The Pacquiao Mayweather fight gave them that like, oh, this is how it would work. And then now that Fury Wilder came up, they're like, Oh no, we've done this before. This is the shit we gotta fix. But this is how it works. So 
I feel like this they have enough traction working together where these fights will become easier and easier. They'll be easier, but it'll also be a nightmare. Like I, I'll never forget dealing with HBO and Showtime when Pacquiao Mayweather happened, and how much like the PR teams and like they just it was disgusting. They hated each You're other. You're telling me I'm on the emails daily now. Like yeah, it's, it's, no, I, I, it's I understand. <laughs> so yeah. it's like when you see them dealing with each other, it's like you want to do this for multiple fights because eventually they're gonna be like, dude, can we just do a fight in house? It's so much easier logistically, and people are happy. So all that to say, like, Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence, 54, I don't see that shit happening anytime in the near future. But J-Rock losing, like, 54 is kind of wide open. Like, even Arisani yep. Lara is still lurking around there. It's it, The division's wide open for somebody to come and take over. But it's still, it makes it fun. It's a little volatile because you never know who's going to be the man. But who knows? Yeah, PBC has a ton of talent at 54, too. Arrow could really just do whatever the hell he wants if he wanted to. I mean, yeah, I mean, if Jamel Charles, man, it's a lot of guys. I mean, obviously, Tony Harrison wants a rematch. You know, there's a guy like Patrick Sashiro that's moving up. Erickson Lubin, who fought Charlo way too early and got his block knocked off. He's looked really good. 54, is, it's, there's a lot of guys there. I, we'll see. It just really depends. We'll see what Arrow decides to do when he comes back. And that looks like. It may June right now, from what I've heard. Yep. So we'll see what he decides to do when he comes back, and then we'll we'll have to see what how he shapes the narrative from there, and how the rest of Fifty Four shakes out. But J Rock, yeah, that's rough. That's rough sledding right there. Yeah, man. Um, before we get out of here, Danny Garcia fights in Brooklyn this weekend. Any chance he pulls the J Rock and slips up? Um, I don't think so. Like, man, Danny. Yeah, man. If y'all listen to the show, yeah, Danny Garcia and Jesse Vargas are two guys I'm just not extremely high on. Um, and Danny Garcia is a guy that he's, I think he's talented, but I, I, he just, I don't, I don't know, man. He just fights to the level of his competition sometimes. And against Red Catch, who's a good opponent, he should wash him. But I, would, would I be incredibly surprised? No, because I have, I don't know. I haven't talked to Danny this week and Danny's actually going to go to our office in New York, um, to talk with one of our writers and, I'm just wondering if there's a part of Danny Garcia that's like disappointed he's not fighting Errol Spence or looking ahead to to Errol Spence if he wins, and that could get him, that he could lose then. But Danny's always had a great look left hook, but I he like Holly Holm in MMA he just waits for the perfect counter and just doesn't come sometimes. So I wouldn't be terribly surprised, but he shouldn't lose this fight. Yeah, I don't think he loses this fight. Um, I don't think he looks overly impressive. But I don't think he loses this fight by any means. And I think it goes the distance. He protects himself because it's early enough for him to pull the turnaround four months from now and still get the Spence fight. So I think he plays it safe. I think he takes the decision on the cards, takes his, you know the least amount of damage possible, calls out Spence in the ring, and boom, they rebook the fight for, let's say, May. Possibly. And... It'd be a really good time to put Spence in Vegas, by the way. You put Spence in Vegas Memorial Day weekend, get the Migos there, some of the people who are in Dre's, shit like that. It's a good look, so they should really look into that. But we shall see. Yes, that, that is my call on it. And that is the end of our boxing show for today. We want to thank all you guys for listening. Again, we appreciate you showing up every week. Follow us on social media, Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter. Me at Kel Dansby. Him at Andreas Hale. Tune in on Wednesday. Full MMA episode. A lot of Conor McGregor. Till then, we're out.
Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.